Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Russ says, Pete, what is with all of the shock and disbelief over Hamas's bunkers under hospitals? I'm old enough to remember that before October 7th, it was regularly reported that significant portions of every hospital, school and apartment building project in Gaza went to military bunkers and tunnel infrastructure before the actual building began. It used to be reported everywhere. Yep. And uh, now we are getting the visual confirmation. The Israelis have now published a couple of photos of the, uh, the operation center. Not that kind of operation, the military operation center in the Shifa hospital, just as they said there would be. All the leftists who said it wasn't the case and all the pro-Palestinians said that wasn't the case. And they're bombing hospitals because they just want to kill the sick and, and the, the injured and children and women. No, it's because that's where Hamas is operating out of. And Hamas knows that if Israel tries to do anything to the hospital, then people like you are going to apply pressure to make Israel stop. That's the plan. That's always been the plan. You have been a useful idiot or an accomplice. Your choice. But those are your options now. Let me get to this email that I received from Delard. Um, Mr. Kalina. I don't know if that's what he sounds like. But he's, uh, but yeah, anyway. He says, your anti-democratic bias and flat-out wrong comments about anti-Semitism in the, quote, Democrat Party shows you to be another right-wing pundit who is pandering to division. While making comments like that, you ignore this. Hang on a second. How long does this email go on for? Okay, I can read it. All right. So he says, I'm ignoring that the Republican Party now embraces Nazis. I'm sorry, when did that happen? When was the embrace of the Nazis? Because the only the only embracing of the Nazis that I saw recently was up in Canada where they literally brought a Nazi. But but those are the liberals up there. That's not the Democrat Party. Oh, and by the way, I call it the, I call it the Democrat Party because it doesn't operate in a democratic fashion. <laughs> that's that's the joke. Um Also, if you're going to brand everything as a threat to democracy and our democratic institutions and all that stuff, uh, then I'm not going to help associate your party with your narrative in order to get a halo effect that is undeserved. I'm I'm not going to play that game with you. So uh, anyway, the uh, he then says the former president, uh, former President Trump has explicitly, unmistakably Chosen language straight from Hitler's rise to power. You know who's actually reading Mein Kampf? Hamas. Yeah, the kids in the Palestinian schools. They got videos of it. Seriously, go go do some video searches of Palestinian kids being interviewed about what they learn in school. Oh, yeah, it's all Jew hate. All of it. It's amazing. I mean, 
hats off to those educators. I don't know if they're teaching them uh, math or any other discernible skills, but uh, they definitely have the anti-Semitism down. Um, yeah, they and they got copies of Mein Kampf. They've recovered from some of these uh, uh, terrorist compounds and such in the tunnels and all. So that's who's actually doing the the, the Hitler stuff. And so when you're you know when you're when you're taking the side of those folks, it seems to me like you're actually more aligned with that. But here's the thing: like my comment about the Democrat Party's anti-Semitism. That's not. I'm not making that up. You you know where that's coming from? The North Carolina Democrat Party. That's where that's coming from. That's not me. It's coming from leftists inside the Democrat Party. I have the stories. I've, I got a whole I got a whole bunch of them. We got one, two, three, uh, four, five. Yeah, five different stories here, all about this fight inside the North Carolina Democrat Party and the rise of anti-Semitism. He says uh, the. You know who embraces anti-Semitism, Delard says? The party that is behind Trump all the way. See, if you just call it, everybody I hate's a Nazi. Like, and if, if that's where you start from, then it becomes very easy to just tar everybody with the Nazi uh, moniker. He says, I can't believe you said that about the Democratic Party being the party of anti-Semitism. It's discussed. Well, they voted against the resolutions, dude. Like, I... I don't know what you want me to say when the Democrats are doing the things they are doing, right? It's disgusting. They wouldn't even, they would not censure Rashid Tlaibi. There's always an excuse to defend the anti-Semites, but I'm not supposed to see the anti-Semitism inside the party. They're having a fight inside their party right now at a state level and at a national level. And, but we're not supposed to notice this. Give me a break. You're an idiot. It's disgusting you would spread such crap on your show. The Republicans are the party of Nazism. Remember that. Well, actually, historically speaking, <laughs> uh, no, it, that would also be the Democrats. Yeah, sorry about that. Nazism was really in vogue with a lot of progressives up until the point where they realized, holy cow, they're murdering a lot of people. And at the beginning, it, it wasn't that big of a deal to them. Only when it became known, it was like, wow, there's a lot of murdering. And then they aligned with the Japanese and the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And then it was like, okay, now we're going to have to go in and defeat Hitler, you know. But at the beginning of the progressive era, dude, where do you think North Carolina's history with um, eugenics started? This was, the, this was the theory of the left. These were the progressives. Woodrow Wilson and company. Uh, Charles Kuralt, his dad, his dad was a big-time eugenicist in North Carolina. All in on the eugenics movement here. I believe we named, uh, Mecklenburg County named one of the DHS buildings after him or something, right? One of the Health and Human Services buildings, I think. Yeah, Kuralt's dad. Um, this, was th- this was a philosophy of the progressives. They loved them, some hi- some Hitler the beginning. Um, alrighty, so I'll tell you here. This is the story about the North Carolina Democrat Party. Um, they voted Sunday night against recognizing the Jewish Caucus as an official affiliated organization. And according to the right-wing radio station, WFAE, <laughs> uh, that decision comes 
as tensions rise within the party over the war between Israel and Hamas. Think, think it through. What's the question there? A decision that comes as tensions rise within the party over the war between Israel and Hamas. Why are there tensions inside the Democrat Party over this war? Do you hear these tensions inside the GOP over this war? I have not. I would tell you if I heard of these tensions. I have not. I've heard of tensions among some of the conservative wing grifters. I have heard that. I have not heard of tensions inside the Republican Party over the war. The vote angered some Jewish Democrats who questioned whether the party had been, quote, hijacked by the anti-Jewish left. Their words. The state Democratic Party already has a number of recognized smaller groups, such as the African American Caucus, the LGBTQ Caucus, and the Coastal Caucus. But Jews? Hell no! All right, I added that last part in. An effort by the fledgling Jewish Caucus to be recognized failed in a close vote. The vote of the executive committee was 17 people in favor of the recognition. Sorry, 17 against, 16 in favor. So they lost by one vote. But there was also 16 other members who are cowards and did not vote. 16 abstentions. And among those who did not vote, all of the party's officers, including the Gen Z chair, Anderson Sippy Cup Clayton, y'all, she couldn't be, she couldn't be bothered to cast a vote one way or another, and it came down to a one-vote margin, and they couldn't support it. Erwin Orenstein and Steve Abrams of the Durham chapter of the Jewish Caucus wrote about the vote in an email to supporters. Subject line said. North Carolina Democratic Party to Jews, drop dead. The war in Gaza has led to tensions in the Democratic Party nationwide, says Steve Harrison at WFAE, the NPR affiliate. Why has the war led to tensions in the Democrat Party? Why? He doesn't answer it. Why? Why are there tensions? Oh, it's just over a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Alrighty, so uh, while uh, President Biden has offered full support of Israel, other Democrats are calling for a ceasefire to stop the fighting. Last week, 22 congressional Democrats joined House Republicans in censuring Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib for her use of the phrase, from the river to the sea. She has said, according to WFAE, she has said that phrase is only meant to support Palestinians, while others believe... It calls for the eradication of Israel. You know, mainly because the river is the Jordan River and the sea is the Mediterranean and everything in between is uh, Israel. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, when you say from the river to the sea, it's like we want all the land. So, yeah, that would, so there would be no Israel. That's the idea. So it is, it's like only now that people are like, hmm, wait a minute, that sounds sort of genocidal. Now you get this pushback, like, oh, no, 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 it's just simply support. That's all. You know what you're talking about. So what has happened? You've got this internal fight 
it's been going on. I mean, I've got stories that go back to January. Sorry. No. All, uh, July of 2022. Do North Carolina Democrats have an anti-Semitism problem in the party? This was a year and a half ago. There's a fella in Charlotte named Nazim Udin. Nazim Udin. N-A-Z-I-M. And one of his fellow Democrats in the party, being pretty upset at his resolutions condemning Israel all the time and then trying to get a leadership post, was lobbying against his election for that post, which he didn't get. And he used the term, uh, he referred to Nazim as Nazim. N-A-Z-I-M. That's his name. Nazim. And this guy called him Nazim. And so... uh, there was a recording of this. Nazim then uh, filed complaints with the state party. They were supposed to mediate it. Meanwhile, the Jewish caucus is trying to get started, but people don't want it to get started. So they have an organizational meeting with a vote or something, and people weren't invited, and then they're all mad they weren't invited. So then they got to open it up to everybody. Then they do a Zoom call, and everybody can't get on the Zoom call. So they're like, this is outrageous. We would totally vote against it. We don't want this to happen. They don't want the Jews to have a caucus in the state party. Why? It's not that there's there aren't a lot of caucuses. They got like eighteen of them. They got they got caucuses for all sorts of groups of people. That's kind of what the Democrats do. See, here's the problem: when you view everything through the identity politics lens, right? It's this constant struggle, this competition for the uh, preferred victim status, because everybody's a victim. But who gets preferential treatment? If you end up finding yourself pitted against a different victim group. So you got personality conflicts, you got pettiness going on here, and you also have some anti-Israel and yes, some anti-Semitism at play. And Jews are in, in the Democrat Party are waking up to this fact. They're looking around and they're seeing a lot of the people that they thought were their allies never were. Because of intersectionality. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at CarolinaReadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out Alrighty. so the other day tim scott dropped out of the 2024 presidential primary right we saw that and i was going to start with that and then nikki haley said something stupid so um i feel like i need to uh and you feel like i need to start uh, uh there she was on fox news she's been making the rounds she's uh, the, the the narrative is that she is surging she's going to be the one to finish second to donald trump and so um, everybody put your money there. Now that Tim Scott gets out, she's going to vacuum up all of the money uh, that was going to Scott. That's the that's the the narrative that the uh, the media complex that kind of covers all of this stuff as a horse race. You know, um, that's what they've been 
super, super focused on since Tim Scott made his announcement that he was dropping out on Sunday night when he was on TV. He never even told his staff. But um, Nikki Haley now is uh, ascendant, we are told, and so she is going to um, do her best to make the rounds and capitalize on the moment, as one should, right? That makes total sense. So she goes on to Fox News. And she makes uh, some comments, and uh, it was some sort of, uh, they, it, was, it was kind of an odd format. She was being interviewed by, uh, I always forget her name. Is it Faulkner Harris or Harris Faulkner? Harrison Faulkner? I don't know. She's one of the Fox News uh, anchors and uh, or personalities or whatever. So they're sitting there doing this interview, but then they also have like, I don't know, eight or 10 people sitting in some chairs, almost like a focus group or something. So Haley gets to talk to them and they all sit there and listen. And I think they may have asked some questions too, but here's what Haley said that raised some eyebrows initially when she said it. The truth is, if you look at social media, the misinformation and the the dramatic sides of social media are instigating this. Why? Because it's being pushed by Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. It is why when I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're okay. pushing what they're pushing. Right. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's First of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden, people have to stand by what they say and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say. Accountability. And they know their pastor and their family member is going to see it. It's going to help our kids and it's going to help our country. Okay, first off, ma'am, have you been on social media? Uh, People use their real names all the time. And that does not actually create more civility. (laughs) Number one. Number two, she clearly states every person should be verified by name. This is going to be important. Every person should be verified by their name. Okay. She then went on to a podcast called The Ruthless Podcast, which is hosted by a fella on Twitter where he kind of uh, became a very well-known influencer uh, in Republican circles named Comfortably Smug. That's his name on Twitter, comfortably smug. I don't remember his real name. I mean, obviously he's a real person and he's worked on Republican campaigns. People inside the Republican party know who he is. I forget his name, Um, but he goes by comfortably smug or smug for short. She goes on to that podcast and they ask her about this comment and she confirms and explicitly then says, because they're like, yo, what about smug here? Comfortably smug, right? And she says it would have to have your name and then maybe in parentheses smug or something, right? So very explicit, very clear. Every person on social media has to use their real name and that has to be verified by the companies. This then prompts backlash, which makes sense because she's in the Republican primary, and we all know that what do Republicans do? That's right. They pounce and they seize. They seize upon things. And so when she says this, they pounce. They seize upon it. 
And they're like, why is she saying this? That's like unconstitutional. Yeah, it could be. Um, Also, people started pointing out how the founding fathers wrote under pseudonyms as well. And people have all sorts of reasons why they would write under a pseudonym or why they would post under a pseudonym. Um, Just off the top of my head, I would think like, what was that thing that happened a while ago? Uh, Oh, that's right. Cancel culture. Yeah. Remember that? When people would say something or be something and they get canceled, right? They get targeted for harassment and they would get fired. So that's a that's a reason why somebody would want to be anonymous. Or how about this? How about a famous person? I'm not talking, you know, famous like producer Bernie over here. I'm talking famous like Taylor Swift or the guy she's dating. Right? So soccer player, I think. Anyway, that kind of famous. Do you know what that's like to be uber, uber famous? I think she's got like tens of millions or a hundred million followers on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, What if you just want to share some pictures with your family of the birthday party of your boyfriend, the soccer player, right? Why wouldn't you do Why? So I have no doubt Taylor Swift has a pseudonym account. No doubt whatsoever. I would suspect every famous person has a a pseudonym account. Or they just don't do anything with it. That's the alternative. Right? If if you're like, for example, if you head on over to Facebook, you'll notice I have a presence there. Um, I don't do a whole lot on it anymore. When you've got thousands and thousands of followers, it becomes a bit much to manage. So I can't even imagine millions. Tens of millions of people following you. I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine it. You would never be able to use the social media platform for personal use. And what she's saying then is that somebody like Taylor Swift would never be able to have a private account with just her and her family members and friends. She would have to have one account that's hers, verified as such, linked to her, and that's it. I assume. Or maybe Nikki Haley's got some sort of uh, techie answer here, too. You know, maybe her answer is that, oh, you could have multiple verified accounts. Okay. So, Taylor, I don't know why I'm picking Taylor Swift either. But, um, all right, J-Lo and uh, her husband. Uh, no, it's the guy from the Bo- Jason Bourne movies, I thought. Jason Bourne. Right? Yeah, J-Lo and Jason Bourne. Like, so... There's another one. They're both famous people, right? So maybe you could have multiple accounts. J-Lo could have three different accounts, one for friends, one for business associates, and then one for fans, you know? But they're all verified. Maybe that's it. I don't know. So Nikki Haley starts getting pushback from the pouncing, seizing Republicans. And now we got cleanup on aisle nomination. Or cleanup on aisle Nikki. No. I'll think about that. I'd clean up on aisle Haley in the, in the, in the, yeah, I'll work on that one, but she's cleaning it up. Needless to say, I'll tell you what she's now trying to say uh, today, just moments ago. All righty. So Nikki Haley running for president had some pretty, I mean, she's, well, she's done some stuff that has raised some questions. She's having this discussion with somebody just last night and, um, 
whether it's the bathroom bill that she refused the HB two fight that she refused to uh, refused to protect, you know, girls in girls' bathrooms alone. Um, she didn't do that. Remember, also she moved the Confederate battle flag off of the state house grounds. That, again, you can support her doing so, and that's totally fine if that's a position that she held and and promoted. But when she did it, it came after the Dylan Roof murder. Sorry, I said his name. And the the guy went down and murdered the people at the Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston. And, um, you know, white supremacist guy. And so then she took the, the Confederate flag off the statehouse grounds. The, it had already been taken down off the Capitol. It had just moved to somewhere on the grounds. Then she she took it off the grounds. But again, that was in response to the pressure campaign. HB2, pressure campaign, didn't get involved. Um, and now, and there's another example, I forget what the other, oh, the yeah, the Palestinians, taking the Palestinians, a million Palestinians. Right? It, it seems like her initial instincts are always to go along with what the leftist narratives tend to be. And so now we got this quote of hers where she's saying that uh, every uh, person on social media needs to be verified. As a real person. This then raises a whole bunch of questions. For example, um, is it constitutional to require that? Do I have the right to free speech and to do so anonymously? Well, you do have the right to do that, Pete, but the social media companies, you know, they, they don't have to allow you to use their platform. Yes, but if the government is requiring that, then it's not really up to the platform. That's actually fascism. That's a veneer of free market. That's a veneer of freedom at the corporate level, but actually it, things are being determined by a government agency. That's the, the facade of the free market with authoritarianism behind it, the force of government behind it. So uh, Ron DeSantis, he came out and said Haley's proposal to ban anonymous speech online, similar to what China recently did, is dangerous and unconstitutional. It'll be dead on arrival in my administration. Uh, that's what DeSantis said. This is getting, I think, her some negative attention, and I think her campaign knows it. People are like, wait, why are you doing this? What the? Because uh, this would have been Byron York. He says, I asked the Haley campaign about her statements advocating mandatory ID and verification of all social media users. Doesn't that raise troubling issues of privacy and freedom of speech? And here was the initial uh, response. Quote, we all know that America's enemies use anonymous bots to spread anti-American lies and sow chaos and division within our borders. Nikki believes social media companies need to do a better job of verifying users so we can crack down on Chinese, Iranian and Russian bots. That's common sense, right? So you can see the back or you can hear the backpedaling. I can see it because I'm reading it. You're just hearing it. So you can hear the backpedaling begin. No, no, no. She's just saying they need to do a better job of cracking down on the bots from China, Iran, and Russia. That cleanup did not suffice. And so the campaign has uh, updated its, uh, its cleanup efforts. Here's the new statement. Americans have a right to free speech, including having anonymous accounts on social media. 
Okay, so there now she's out in defense of anonymous accounts on social media for Americans. So now she's making a distinction. Whereas initially, no distinction, and initially when asked about an American who has an account, she said, no, you would not be able to have that. Now she's saying you could. See, again, caving to pressure. What Nikki doesn't support, this is her campaign, what Nikki doesn't support is letting the Chinese and Iranians create anonymous accounts to spread chaos and anti-American filth among our people. They're doing that as we speak, and it's a national security threat. This is why people say she's a neocon. Everything gets framed as a national security threat. And when everything is perceived as that, and, and you frame everything like that, then you're going to be like, well, if you're not, this was the famous Sue Myrick line, right? Spoken here on WBT, low those many years ago after 9-11. If you're not doing anything wrong, what do you have to worry about? That was over the Patriot Act. Right. So, I don't know how this is going to shake out. I think there might be a lot of people that were back in Tim Scott that moved their money over to Nikki Haley that may be having a bit of buyer's remorse today. (laughs) But maybe not. I don't know. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. You can find me on Twitter. It's my real name. For real. All right. Don't break anything while I'm gone.